House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. We're at the interview part of the show. And today we have a returning guest, very special, um, Mr. Uh, Sudi Rick Karatash. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me again. I'm, I'm, I guess I didn't screw up the first time, so you're having me back. You're a pleasure to have more over <laughs> and over again. I, I've heard that many times. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so now this book, is, your new book's called How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me. Um, I kind of like the idea of sucked, but... Uh, <laughs> Where did this Where did this come from? Like, what? This is different than kind of everything you've done before, as far as I know. It's in, in books, anyway. So, it, it is, yeah. And I, well, I had the one book, Rainbow Relatives, and I usually write scripts and songs and other things. So this is my second book, but I've done catering for many years uh, in New York and California because most artists or uh, you know actors, musicians, you know, as a side thing, that's is actually the perfect thing to do. It's as much as I joke about. It's sucking in a lot of ways. The flexibility, you know, that's the, the F word. Flexibility is the most, because um, sometimes you want to use the other F word in, in uh, a <laughs> But that really is the one of the perks of it. Um, so I do joke a lot, as bad as some of the events might be. Some are very good. And also, you know, if you're an actor, you can just, you know, take off um, – for an audition, you, you know, you can take off a month to shoot a movie and then go back to catering. You can't do that with a nine-to-five job. So anyway, I just joked a lot when I was catering sometimes about, I'm going to write a book about this, or, you know, this is going to go in the book, or um, there's just so many wacky events and, and things that go on behind the scenes, and I love to write. So I kind of just started writing it half as a joke, half as therapy, you know, getting <laughs> stuff off my chest, which... <laughs> You know, some annoying things that happen and the guests do at events and things like that. And then it just, yeah, it really was kind of fun and a lot of work, but it, it, it turned out to be, uh, it just came out like a week and a half ago, but people are already saying that it's very funny and they're enjoying it. And uh, Well, so. it, it, it's a good thing, you know, because um, before um, I was a rock star, <laughs> no, I did a lot of waitering and working in department stores and things like that, and I understand. Uh, it's hard customer service, isn't it? And you get all sorts of people, and I see it looks here like you've done, you know, with caterings, you're going to do weddings too, right? And and that's got to be the most intense of all. Yes, we did um, a lot of weddings, bar mitzvahs, uh, birthday parties. But, like, weddings, it's funny. There was one wedding that uh, never was, and but we worked it anyway. The groom it wasn't a runaway bride. It, was a runaway groom. He he called it off that morning, and so the bride, everything was paid for. So she said, you know, the caterer said, "What do you want to do?" She said, "Let's go ahead and have a party." And it was better to know that he's, you know, a jerk now than later and, and waste more time. So she had a. It was a great party. She even sang a few songs. She was really good. And um, that caterer who I mentioned in the book, uh, Chef Rossi, um, Raging Skillet. They did the, the and I talk about them in the book a little bit too, but. Um, they were fun to work for, but that was just in my mind. I just remember, I remember how courageous she was and just strong, and she just went ahead with the, you know, she looked at the positive and just, and I think the caterer found it, like a year later, she found the right one and, and got married and everything, so that was kind of a happy ending to that story. Um, but yeah, I've worked a lot of different, 
that weddings. One wedding, it's funny, it never rains in California, and we worked a, in August especially, and we worked a party in, uh, in Santa Barbara. And uh, no tents, nothing. It was set up in this big area outside, and nothing was around, no buildings really for like a 10-minute walk or something. And so they set it up, and it just never rains in August in Santa Barbara, Barbara California. But sure enough, the skies got darker and darker and was setting up the tables. And just as the guests are coming and the napkins are all out and folded nicely and it starts raining, kind of a light rain but steady, and it was a warm rain. So anyway, it just went on and people had a good time and they, there was nothing to do. There was nowhere to go. To, there was no backup plan, no plan B. So those two weddings, I think, stand out in my mind, you know, the most. Um, I, mean, I, I just wonder, do you ever, do you ever have any bridezillas, you know, uh, a lot of stress? Um, I haven't had to deal with too many. I know one of the uh, – this woman, Joanna Fron, that I catered with, she was kind of in charge of one wedding and helping the uh, – I think the caterer and the – oh, I don't know if the bride – no, the bride wasn't a problem. I think it was the – oh, no. Yeah, it was the caterer actually was annoyed because the bride didn't like her and liked Joanna better or something. <laughs> so this um, issue with that. So I know there are a lot of – obviously – Brides are very nervous on that day, and they planned a lot, so they're gonna, they'll, they'll always be some stuff. But I haven't experienced, fortunately. I'm sure if you ask party planners and caterers, you know they probably have plenty. You know that run the catering companies, they probably have a lot of stories about mm. those. Yeah, I, I, it's quite intense. And I, 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 bar mitzvah, where O.J. Simpson was a guest. Did, yes. did they let him cut the cake? Well, it's that. funny. That was a year before, about a year before that whole Bronco thing. Oh. Um, and it was, it was in New York, and uh, I had his table, you know, and he was very nice, and people were getting their picture taken with him. And, um, and then, yeah, a year later, I'm watching on the news <laughs> and, and accused of murder and all that. So uh, that was kind of interesting. But it's so weird how someone who just seems so pleasant and nice, and people come up to him, getting their picture taken, and, um, and then, you know, he uh, snapped or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you you caused it. <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> Could have been bad clams or something. Yeah, don't give that man a knife. Boy, he's 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 all over Twitter nowadays. So I, I don't is know. he? Oh, yeah. okay. It's pretty pretty weird. He's pretty weird. Yeah, you know, he's out there, and I don't know. It's kind of crazy that whole thing. Yeah, well, that's one know. of the fun. Oh, sorry. The fun things though about working the catering jobs, a lot of times you do see celebrities and. And most of them are very nice and, and fun, and I have a few stories actually in the book about – actually, I can say Daryl Hannah called me a god. Um, and Yeah, that's taken a little bit out of context, but she asked me to uh, – uh, we were passing around some kind of dessert. She said, oh, do you have any more of that dessert, whatever it was? I said, oh, I'll go check, and I went back to the kitchen, and I came out, and I, and I gave it to her. She says, oh, my God, thank you so much. You are a god. So I can say, you know, Daryl Hannah called me a god. <laughs> uh, boy, I'll tell you. Little things in life. What do you What do you think your 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 biggest challenge was uh, when you're catering? Um, is it Is it the customers? Is it just just serving people, or what's hardest for you? Well, I think a lot of the events are, are some of them are not hard and they're kind of fun and all that. The thing that makes it hard are the ones that were the the ones that I really thought the the reason the book was called How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me was. There are some caterers or some bosses, which a lot of people can relate to this no matter what company they work for, especially if it's a big company and they, you know, it's all about just the bottom line and they don't treat their employees well so that, or they, 
try to, you know, pay them as little as possible. So a lot of, some of the caterers that I, and I don't mention by name in the book, um, for obvious reasons, but it's the, the way they would treat their staff. Uh, they're in hospitality and they would treat their staff like garbage and, you know, they didn't give a raise in like 14 years and they, um, you know, we're writing people up for stupid little things. It's like you're in high school getting called into the dean's office. And so some of the, I, I say there's some people on, a, some of the captains, let's say, or the people that run companies are on a power trip or, you know, there's too many chiefs on too much opium. And, uh, you know, so that was the hardest thing because the actual, most of the guests are fine. Oh, and most of the houses, we worked in a lot of interesting houses. Um, I actually worked in Quincy Jones' house and then other celebrities, but just people that no one's heard of. But uh, most of them, I would say 95%, are really lovely people. Like I have some, I mentioned in the book, Owen and Tara Pardo and Demetria George. And these are some people I've worked in their homes who are lovely people and, and you don't mind working for. Then there's one or two that are just absolute nightmares. And I, I talk about two specifically in the book, and I don't mention names, yeah. um, but one I call Mrs. Olson. Um, and, you know, she, no relation to the Mrs. Olson on uh, Little House on the Prairie. That one was much nicer than this woman. And, I mean, everyone that's worked in her house, you know, just was, you know, and some people, I went back five or six times because the money was decent, and you figured, okay, I'll get used to certain things. She'll be happy because she has someone that knows what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. No, she was, she was just not happy with anything, and everything was just, um, yeah, it was just a, and I finally wrote a letter to the person who hired us to work at that place. I will no longer work <laughs> place she was just uh the husband was very nice the guests were fine so most of the events it's really just um and depending on the type of service you ask me what makes them harder i guess what did you say like what's yeah what's uh, your biggest challenge like what, what when you're doing this uh like when you're getting a job like a catering job and you're going to go to this place or that place is there certain ones that you just go oh no i can't i don't want to do that uh, well, one woman, yes, that I just yeah. talked about. But also, some there's certain places, yeah, there are certain places that, um, oh, like the row, we used to work at the Rose Bowl out here. And it, the, just getting there, the parking, it took forever to park. They made you park like two fields, three fields away. If you got done as the concert was ending or the football game, you would be stuck there for another hour in your car trying to get out. You're not getting paid for that hour. Uh, you, we worked there like 10 hours, and they would feed us. As soon as we got there, they give us sandwiches and a half-hour break, like five minutes after we were there, and then we worked nonstop for nine hours. So that was one of those places. I think a lot of people finally said, no, nope, we're not going back there. But we got to see a few concerts a little bit of there, which was kind of cool. So that was one of the places. Um, I'm sure there's a few others. Uh, again, most of them are fine. And, uh, you know, I've worked both in New York and L.A., in a lot of cool places. We did the, like, what is it, Natural Museum of History, and that was kind of interesting to be serving beef, and there was a big bison, stuffed bison in the window next to the, in the room. <laughs> um, so. Well, that's, that's got to be kind of crazy. You're going you're gonna to see a lot of people that have an extreme amount of wealth and, and to watch that uh, around you. And the things that they, they, they do, right, because they have so much. Uh, yes. Actually, there was one event, now that you remind me, of, it was a $5 million wedding for three-year-old twins. Yeah, so $2.5 million for each twin. And it was on a two-day event. And the first, I only worked the first day, and it was the Willy Wonka theme. And they, I swear to God, they bought a house just to have a party and then, then tore the house down. 
But they, so they had the house. There's a, they made a chocolate river go through it, and they hired little people for the, as the Oompa Loompas. Um, they had $50,000 jars of caviar on each table, hundreds of thousands of dollars in flowers. Now, this is for three-year-old twins. They could have funded five of my movie scripts for this amount of money. <laughs> it was, that was insane. That was just insane. Well, so that, yeah. that's what I mean. That's, ex- that's extreme to spend that much money, and they won't even remember it. Right, exactly. That's crazy. Of course, yeah. And that, of course, that one really sticks out in my mind because it was so bizarre. And had I worked the next day, they set it up a whole different thing, Snow White, apparently. And again, <laughs> I, you know, so, and they, at least the little people got two days of work out of it because I didn't think they used them for the Oompa Loompas and the, and the dwarfs for this uh, Snow White theme. <laughs> but, yeah, I just got the one day. I do know people that worked the second day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's an extreme example of, of some of the, you know, I, I, you know, I've worked some weddings that were over a million dollars and things like that, but that one took, took the cake. I, there's a lot of uh, catering puns in the book, by the way. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing like a McDonald's birthday party. <laughs> oh, that's funny you say that. See, almost everything you say I can probably relate to a story. We did these for the American Heart Association uh, charity events, and every year we would do it. And I think the food we served was healthy to the guests, but the caterer ordered McDonald's for us for a for Heart Association event, they're ordering us, you know, the worst food for your health. Like, that, again, that's another example how some of these caterers just don't care about their employees. Yeah, it's, it's about the budget, right? The dollars, probably, yeah. you know. And and what's this? You said you did an unfortunate gig on 9-11? Oh, well, it was an interesting – it was in New York. I was in, lived in New York at the time. I grew up in New York, and I was still uh, – I grew up in Long Island, and I was living in New York – and it was, uh, it was an event for Hugo Boss and uh, in the city, and it was their fashion week or something. And so I'm setting up the coffee and stuff, the breakfast, whatever, and I hear kind of a commotion going on in the other room. There's no windows in the room that I was in. And after a while, I'm like, what the heck is going on in there? It's not my business. I figured it rained the night before, so something got wet, so it's a big fashion emergency, you know. So uh, anyway, finally I went in to see what was going on, and I said, what happened? They go, oh, well, a plane went into the... Twin Towers, and from their window, it was on, 11, I think, 11th Street and 8th Avenue and the 13th floor or 14th floor. So you could see the, you could see the uh, towers, and you could see a little smoke coming out of the one. And I thought they meant, you know, just a little tiny plane went in, and I said, okay, you know. And I had to get back to work. I didn't want to stay in there too long. I'm, you know, there to do my job. So I go back in the other room, and I'm doing the stuff with the bagels and the coffee, whatever. Oh, coffee. There's my New York accent there. And, um... <laughs> So a few minutes later, I just hear uh, – and people kept running in. That's what made me go in there initially because people were running into that room. And I'm, so then half hour later or so, I hear like a huge gasp and screams coming from the room. And I went back in, and the second plane had you know gone in to the towers. And one of the women there said, uh, oh, there must be a problem with the um, traffic controllers or something. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. What? They're saying you're clear, but the pilot, you know, doesn't realize there's a big building in front of them. Like, so anyway, they asked me, you know, all this stuff is going on. Could I stay, you know, till one? You know, just there's a, you know, just there's some people stuck there. Can they? Um, I said, sure, that's fine. And you know, said, call whoever you have to call. And then the one woman said, could you actually, could you call the caterer and ask them if when they bring the lunches, could they bring a few, some more sandwiches because some people are now stuck here? And I'm like. I know that there's sirens going off, streets are closing, there's, I, I, there's no way the caterers are even going to be able to come now. 
But she insisted I call the caterer and ask him. So I called the caterer who was on Water Street, which is right near where all this is going on. And as I'm calling him, there are people walking into his – this is after the – you know, one of the towers had come down and people were escaping and blood and ashes. And some of them are walking into his catering place as I'm calling him, asking <laughs> <laughs> they They want to know if you can bring a few extra sandwiches for the lunch. And so the guy says, tell her to go F herself. <laughs> Now, I didn't know at the time that people were walking in with ashes and all that. But, and he knew, I knew he wouldn't be able to, and she had made me ask. But so amongst all this destruction and sadness, and it, it's just my whole way home, I had to walk like 16 blocks to get home by the time I got out of there because the buses weren't running. But I found myself chuckling to myself because he, I could just hear in my head, tell him to go ever. <laughs> he said the word. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm bleeping yeah. it out. But yeah. um, So that was my 9-11 kind of uh, story. Um, yeah. That's really strange, you know, because I did an interview with someone and they told us that, that, that the planes never crashed into the buildings. So it was fake. <laughs> so I guess he's not right. But uh, so, right. so that, that, that woman must have been uh, in her own world. Oh, I know. That, that's, yeah. Some, I mean, some people are just clueless. I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, I don't even remember what she looked like or what she sounded like. I just remember that whole, you know, exchange. <laughs> yeah. Now, you spent some time in Tom Cruise's house, too, I did, right? Well, catering. Well, one, one event. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hang out all the time, you know. No, actually, one event, yeah, it was, um, I don't know what the, what the actual, like, party was for. It might have even been a birthday party for the, the daughter or something. But I was only in this one room, the dessert room. And it was funny because there was, you know, Ellen was over there and Jamie Foxx and Oprah. Like everyone except myself was like a celebrity in this room. And um, all I had to do was stand by the dessert station, which obviously none of them came over to because, God forbid, they gain an ounce. Um, <laughs> and so I'm observing. And what was funny, this was a couple months after Tom Cruise was on Oprah and he jumped on her couch. I don't know if you remember that. That was a oh, long, yeah. quite a long time ago. But he oh, jumped yeah. on her couch all excited. So here – she is, Oprah, in his living room, and there's a couch there. And I wanted to go over to her and say, look, I know he jumped on your couch, but please don't jump on his couch. But I didn't – I thought that would be risky business. See what I did there? But um, – and I don't know. You know, she might have found it funny. She might have said, could you please tell this person the event? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, Oprah seems nice. I think she would have found it cute. I don't know. But, um, you know, sometimes I think I'm funny and other people don't, so I know to kind of sometimes – not say anything. So, but that was it. I really only stayed in that one room. I don't think I even saw Tom Cruise at that, during that event. And um, I think I was there four or five hours. That was it. That was my shift or whatever. So, uh, yeah, but that was, it's, it, that is kind of fun working in different celebrities' houses or meeting different celebrities. Um, uh, I worked one event I said, in the book where Olivia and John was warming up to perform somewhere at this event in the ballroom. And that was, I love, she's one of my favorites. So that was really cool. Oh. Well, but you didn't get in Tom Cruise's bed or his bedroom or anything? No, no. Oh. I don't think I was in, like I said, just that one uh, dessert room or whatever it was. Uh, so. I don't think he has a, a bedroom. I think he's got like that pod like Darth Vader had in The Empire Strikes so I Back. I ten bedrooms. That was a huge place, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, in a, he's in a coffin, yeah, I guess. It hangs upside down in his closet. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, so it's now that's that's kind of interesting. But so, did you uh, ever um, 
get to meet someone that um, was famous? Did you ever become friends with someone you worked for or worked in doing? Um, not. What's funny? I tell. There's uh, you know some Facebook like well, um, there's people like like Tom Arnold was in my movie Welcome on My Prada's. And then what's funny is, uh, like, six months after we shot that movie, I was passing hors d'oeuvres at event that he was a guest at. So I, in some ways, I was a little embarrassed to go up, oh, would you like some whatever it was, filet mignon, Christini. And, um, <laughs> and then I kind of joked, like, I, you know, I said, here, until the movie starts making money, here I am. And he was really cool. He says, no, I understand, you know. And, and there was nothing to be ashamed of, but you know how you feel, kind of like, okay, I just made a movie, and Tom Arnold yeah. was it. So, and he's on my Facebook, but I'm, I wouldn't say we're friend friends. But, you know, I'm trying to think there's um, – if through catering I've met, I, I've, uh, I don't know if I've met through catering. There's some other people, like in my last book, I was, had met Shelly Wright a few times through a mutual friend, and so she's in my book, Rainbow Relatives. I did an interview with her for that book. Um, for, in, I'm trying to, I've worked in people's homes, yeah, that, you know, you don't really become friends with, but they, um, huh. But they're very nice. Like Monica from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond was one of the nicest people I ever. I, uh, she played Amy on, um, I think it's H O R R E N, her last name. Uh, she plays Amy on Everybody Loves Raymond, and she was probably the nicest person that I worked in someone's house that was on, you know, a celebrity or whatever. Um, and then I guess if you work many times at the same house for a certain, um, we oh fun story we worked at a. Suzanne Summers' house in the in the Palm Springs for a book signing shed. This is I don't know maybe 12, 14 years ago, and um, so it was funny. We walked in and, and uh, she was very very friendly. She thought we were part of the band at first, and then she found out we were the caterer, which she was still friendly. But she was singing with the band, so that's why she was at first really excited or something. And she sang very well at the event, and um, so um, but yeah, I don't really think I've become. Uh, I have remained friends with those several people that I worked in their houses uh, for quite a few times that I still keep in touch with, or they're on my Facebook. Um, well, you're you're a big movie maker now. Well, I made the one movie, and then I'm trying to shoot another family inspirational film in Nashville, and we have a few people attached to that one. Um, but I, that's yeah. So how how is that? How do you find uh, trying to work your way into the movie business now, and how is it for independent filmmakers? Well, it's hard. I mean, the hardest thing is getting financing and funding for the films. Um, and, you know, to get the financing and funding, a lot of times you need a name attached to it. But to get the name attached, you have to have the funding in place. So it's a, I call it a catch-44 because it's doubly worse than a catch-22. But um, it's, uh, we, you know, we got, um, for the first, first film, Dee Wallace was great. She's great to work with. And uh, like I said, Tom Arnold and Mike Starr and Nathaniel Marston who passed away a few years ago. But a lot of those people we reached out to um, directly if we could. I mean, the, you can try to – you usually have to go through agents and managers, and that's also impossible until everything is in place, especially if you're independent. But sometimes, you know, you'll, you can get through and um, at least get a letter of intent or see if they're interested if, once you get the funding. So that, to me, is the hardest thing about making the film. And um, – and then, and then, how is the fine? Like once you once you're putting the film together, like when you were doing Prada, um, how about how who's going to release it? Like when you go to these streaming networks or places like Amazon, is it really does it pay that well? Really? Well, 
like our last movie got out on Netflix, the, yeah, the Prada movie, um, and that was through a distributor at Gravitas, I think. Um, but I don't think they pay a ton, actually, to be honest with you. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of streaming network, uh, and the movie's now on Amazon Prime. Uh, what Come On My Prada's is on Amazon Prime for free if, if people have a Prime account. But, yeah, it's that the distribution is all sort. I guess, yeah, those are the two hard things, getting the money, getting distribution. And getting an honest distributor, which probably only 10% of them are. So that's a whole other uh, yeah, issue. Why? What, what do you mean? What do they do? Well, they're creative accounting. They all, I mean, this is even with big films. You, you have trouble making your money back. And a lot, a lot of them are just out oh, yeah. thieves. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so it's really tough to make a, any sort of a living in that business. Yes. So that, that's why catering is good. <laughs> <laughs> At least the jobs are there, and uh, you know it's. Uh, yeah, no, it is, um, and even. Yeah, but I like. I mean, I love doing it. It was one of the best things. Fun. The best things I ever did. I said the hardest thing I ever did, but the most rewarding thing I ever did was, was um, that moving. And then even the book Rainbow Relatives that I did was a lot of work and a lot. Everything I do takes five or six years to come start to finish. I feel like, but um, but I like the outcome is is okay, and uh, that's part of the you know. Hopefully the next several projects won't take as long, but yeah. Um, what, so this this project here, the um, the catering book, what was the um, what were you hoping for? Like what were you looking for when you were doing it? Actually decided to 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 write it and publish it out. Was there kind of something you were hoping would come from this, or was there something you wanted people to get from this? Well, I like making people laugh, and I like and I especially I feel like now more than ever. People need to laugh. There's just so much stuff going on, and it's a good way to escape reality. So it's not like a book that's going to save lives, um, and that, or in some ways, it's helpful because it actually does tell. One of the things is to let guests know what they can do at an event or not do at an event. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the book about what guests do that annoy the, uh, not just annoy the, the caterers or the servers, but really make it difficult for them to do their jobs. So in some ways, people can learn how to. You know what they, the do's and don'ts of when they go to it and they're a guest at a party or an event. Um, so that is one thing. So I want people to la- enjoy it and laugh and be entertained, and then also learn a little bit of some of the etiquette and stuff of being at events and what, and maybe have an appreciate more of an appreciation of the people that are serving them at different events. So that's a big thing. Um, I don't think a lot of people, yeah, realize that they kind of very dismissive. Even people like serving hors d'oeuvres. And you go up to a guest, and they're just ignoring. The sort of, they don't even say, "Oh no, thank you." They're just you're not there, you know. And there's a few celebrities that do that, and there's this few just guests that do that. Again, most I would say the bigger percentage are very nice and very friendly. But um, yeah, so I think those are the two main things. Part and part of it was just therapeutic, getting it out. So I don't know if I planned on releasing it at first. I was just kind of doing it for fun, and and, and but it came out it, it came it came out good, and uh, so. Um, yeah, so it's I, I kind of go with whatever comes to me, and you know if it goes, I go with it. And um, sometimes I don't know where it's going to go. And uh, yeah. Well, you you can maybe make this into a movie. Oh, a TV series, I could see it as. Yeah, that I could. That would be fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they did a show called Party <laughs> Down a few years back. I talk about that in the book a little bit because it was so unrealistic some of the stuff that went on. You know, I mean, it's funny. Like they would have the the waiter like just eating something on the floor and like I'm like 
No, you would never do that. You would do it discreetly. You duck behind the buffet, you pretend you're getting something, wolf it down, and then stand back up with the red herring of the plates or forks that you were putting on the buffet. You know, there's a way to do it. And there was no chefs in the kitchen on, on that show. Like, the waiters were, like, getting the food and bringing it out, but there was nobody cooking it or heating it. or So that was unrealistic. But that was a funny show, and I love what's-her-name on it. Um, oh, God. Um, oh, what's-her-name? She's in a – Jane Lynch, thank you. You, you were no help. You didn't tell me. I had to think of the no, but thank you. <laughs> I was waiting. We were testing you. <laughs> uh, so other than ignoring you, uh, what, what, are, what are some of the worst things that uh, guests can do or, or people who are putting the uh, event on? A couple of things. They, um, I mean, sometimes they put garbage on the tray that you're passing food on. They put their napkin or toothpick and like, not realize that it's food you're passing. Um, double dipping, everyone knows about that because of Seinfeld, but everyone I talked to, that was like, the number one pet peeve that does catering, um, they'll ask the same person for the same thing and not wait long enough for the first person to bring it. So they have now have three fresh drinks in front of them because they couldn't, you know, so that's another thing. Um, what else? That's called yeah. alcoholism. Um, oh, they don't know the word no. I, that's, yeah, and we, well, actually, when you do catering, you're told never to say no. Please. No is never an answer, right. um, even when the answer is no. And, you know, but some people, you know, like if a bar – has been open for three hours and you haven't come up to it and now you're coming up when it's closed, you know, it's, it's closed. And it was funny. One woman, like, she just was like, no, I want a drink. And why can't I have a drink? Blah, blah, blah. And she literally, we had, there was five of us blocking the bar so that people knew it was closed and they were breaking it down. Well, she reached beyond my hand, my, my arm and she grabbed, I guess it was a, a poured glass of wine that someone had left or it was maybe a couple were poured and not taken. And anyway, she took it and I immediately just grabbed it out of her hand and put it back. <laughs> but don't disrespect me when I'm doing my job, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, what are some other things they do? And again, mostly the guests are fine, but there's the little things that uh, I joke, like they, you know, people ask if it's a decaf and it's like, you know, we know it's usually know it's decaf <laughs> or not, but, um, and then there's um, tea is a pain that, even though I like tea myself, I don't even drink coffee. It is harder to serve tea at an event. So if yeah, yeah. you know if you want it, order it. But it, it, you know, coffee is a pain in the neck enough. But tea is is you know. So what else do people do? Let me think. Uh, I probably could look in the book, but um, <laughs> no, I, I should say you have to read the book to find out. I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like there's like three or four pages of of things guests do, and I could probably have gone on for four four chapters on that. I guess um, catering is pretty much done with, with the current conditions of COVID, right? Or is it still going on? It's very dead. Um, it's, yeah, in March it kind of stopped. Now there's a few events going on and with the masks, um, very small events. Um, but, yeah, coronavirus, and I even this, I, mean, I bring that up, obviously, because, um, yeah, coronavirus killed catering, I think I call that section. But it's, um, <laughs> there's... So you saw your catering more funerals then? Oh, I've done a few. You know what's funny? <laughs> Not funny. Well, I did a few. Uh, what do you call those? Like shivas or, yeah, like uh, oh, memorial. I, f I forgot about that. I yeah. don't even think I talk about that in the book. But, yeah, we've done those too. Where, So it's kind of weird because people are there for a funeral. or So, you you know, you, when you do an event, you obviously usually want the guests to have a great time. And this is kind of one where, you know, all right, that's not quite the goal at this event. But. They, but they still, you know, how funerals are. That you know, even though it's a sad event, people find the humor and find, um, you know, good memories that make it a nice event. But I forgot about that. You've done some of those too. Hmm. So you've been talking to Alexa lately. You've been doing any of those? 
<laughs> You've seen those. I, I haven't. <laughs> I, you know, I, funny, I'll think of weird things to ask her. And for some reason, I started doing it you know, without my shirt on. And then people expected it without the shirt on. So I would do every once in a while just off the cuff. I would just think of something to ask her. And um, sometimes, I, you know, and then if she gave a funny answer, I'd say, oh, i got to record that. And then I would ask again. And then she gave a different answer, the stupid biatch. But um, anyway, those are fun. I ask all kinds of weird questions. And I got – thanks for reminding me. I'll try and do one. Yeah, one. It's, it's one of my favorites <laughs> when it comes up. It's, it's funny. Um, wow. So, so what do you got planning? What do you got in the shoot right now? What are you doing? Um, are there, you know, you've got the book coming. It's out now. But what else have you got? Have you got kind of a plan of doing something with COVID, or has that just stopped all work? Um, well, creatively, it hasn't stopped me at all. I've been writing and writing. I finished two scripts. Um, I'm working on another gift humor book. I, I write songs. Actually, I have a few new Christmas songs I did earlier in the year that I made, uh, recorded just for fun. So they're not like for sale, but I'm, there's a video to one of them I made last year called Midnight Will Be Clear. And one of the guys in the video is a great singer, and he recorded a Christmas album in Nashville this year, and he included that song he, he recorded his own version and that's going to be coming out his name is adrian christian and the song is midnight will be clear and that's going to come out i think right on thanksgiving day it'll probably be on spotify and and um cd baby and all those outlets itunes and um so he's a much better singer than i am so even though i'm singing in my video he does a much i haven't heard his version yet but i just know his voice and the way he sings so i'm looking forward to the release of that song and then i'll probably just post for fun I wrote a song called Santa Slayed It that night. Like he S-L-A-Y-E-D on his S-L-E-I-G-H. But like I remember a Christmas where I got everything I wanted as a kid. And <laughs> it's not a true story, but I made it up. But anyway, um, so that's kind of a fun song. And then another song called White Sand Christmas. Instead of a white Christmas, I'm going to have a white sand Christmas. So I'm like a nice island. And So I'll probably just, you know, put those on, on um, what do you call it, Facebook for people to listen to and stuff just because they were kind of fun. But uh, other than that, I'm just trying, yeah, trying to shoot the next movie, but with COVID, that's harder, but we're going to shoot in Nashville, hopefully, middle to end of next year. Um, Jolie Fisher is set to direct it, and we have a couple names sort of attached and stuff, but, um, yeah, but uh, writing, yeah, the creative stuff, I have too many ideas, and I, getting it out there is the hard part, you know. So. I was going to say, because it's, yeah. it's just, it, the, the whole industry's got to be changing um, over the last year from all of this COVID and, and Trump and all this stuff going on, it's got to be a, an unsure time of what's going to happen next year or the year after. Yeah. And, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, it'll get better. But I, it's going to take, no matter what, it's going to take, even with the vaccine, even with this or that, this, it's going to take quite a while to get back to halfway normal. But um, And even to shoot a movie now, you have to follow all these, all these COVID, uh, what do you call it, Restrictions and, and the testing and all that and stuff, and that brings your cost of the mo- uh, cost of the movie up even higher. Like I think by eighteen percent or more. So we'll see what happens if I do get to shoot that. But yeah, I got like eight other scripts too I want to shoot in the next several years. So they're just sitting here on my uh, desk collecting dust. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you want have, in twenty years? What do you want to look back at and have have accomplished? Do you think? Um, at least shoot at least. 20 years, you said, at least five or six of those movies that I wrote that are sitting here, uh, and a pilot, a TV pilot, too. Um, have more songs that I've written. Uh, record- oh, by the way, I'm trying to get Dolly Parton in my movie, and that would be my, like, ultimate 
meeting her, but having her in the movie as herself would be ideal. Um, so that's, um, uh, I'm friends with her sister, Stella Parton, who's, who's very sweet and very nice. Um, what else? I mean, 20 years, uh, yeah, just mostly, um, a lot of songs I've written recorded by other artists. Yeah, I'm not a good enough singer to really have a career as a singer. I joke, I'm, I can carry a tune if it's not too heavy. But, um, and I do sing a lot on my, like, like kind of to myself when I'm catering just to get, make the time go faster. But, um, what else in the next, wow, 20 years? And it's gonna go like that, I know. I say 20 minutes at work goes very slowly and drags, but 20 years, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, those are mainly things just getting, yeah, these things out. I don't, uh, it would be nice to win a spirit award. I'm not, I'm not a, you You know, know, I'm not, um, I'm realistic. I don't expect an Oscar, but I do expect an independent <laughs> spirit award. <laughs> well, there you go. That's something. Um, so it, how do people find you? Where, which, what's your best place for people to come find out everything about you? Um, I have a website, uh, www.sudiric.com. So it's S-U-D-I-R-I-C-K.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, I think under Sudiric Karatash. Um, I don't do a lot of Twitter. I don't do um, – I am on Instagram, I think, under Sudi Rick. Most stuff is under Sudi Rick. Um, or if you put in Sudi Karatash, there aren't a lot of Sudi Karatashes around. So um, I should pop up. Um, and my email, if people want to reach out on that, it's Sudi Rick at AOL.com. Yes, I'm the last person to have AOL, I believe. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, You've got so, mail. Yeah, I, I have a Gmail, but I don't check it that often. And but so Sudirick at AOL.com, the website Sudirick.com. Grinder. Um, no, I don't think you can find me on Grinder because it's uh, what do you call it? Um, on the download. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what is Grinder? No, no, it's, it's a it's it's a it's a place for caterers. It's, it's it tells you how to eat food properly. <laughs> Grind. You know. Yeah. Um, where else can they find me? I mean, I'm in I'm in Van Nuys, California. That's my where I live now. I've been out in California 18 years. But yeah, so in the book they can find on Amazon, both books actually, Rainbow Relatives, which is speaking to kids about LGBTQ families and friends. That's still on Amazon and I think Barnes and Nobles. And then the new book, How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me, is on Amazon. And I believe a few Barnes and Nobles, like in Calabasas, I know they just ordered some in um, a few other places. And um yeah, the bookstores are having a tough time, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, people aren't, aren't purchasing through the stores as much now, and they right. were already struggling. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, if people can get out, it's good to go to a bookstore for sure. Yeah. But um, And we'll and have you are, linked up. We'll have you linked up on our site as well oh, so okay, people yeah. can find you. And these are good. Um, I guess Christmas is almost around the corner, so these are good, nice Christmas gifts to the books, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's a really good idea. Well, it's always fun having you here. Um, it's fun being here. And um, hopefully uh, things get better next year, and, and we're glad you came on. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks Thank for having you. me on. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.